Hello and welcome to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my fiancé to watch the musicals he really should have seen by now and then we talk about them. I am the fiancé. And I'm Drew. And this is the last episode of 2022. Yes, indeed. And we are going out with a bang. Yeah. As we watch a banger of a musical, the brand new Netflix, Matilda the Musical. Roald Dahl's Matilda the Musical, Netflix edition. <laughs> yeah. Well, didn't Netflix, like a few years ago, get like all the rights to Roald Dahl's yeah, stories? Yeah, that's actually one of the things that I was going to bring up when we talk about the conception of this particular film is because they also have the rights to the BFG, the Twits, and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but that was because they were going to make Matilda an animated series. Yes. Not this <laughs> yeah because there was also another like animated roll doll thing in the pipeline that recently got cancelled due to the whole subscriber crisis mm-hmm. so they don't have yeah, they basically binned all of their animation stuff yeah. which sucks because there's some really good netflix backed animated shows out there and it's really horrible to see that they're getting rid of their animation departments when they're so clearly successful yeah Oh, yeah. I mean, look at Klaus, for instance. Mm -hmm. Like, that would have been... That movie is insanely good. It was Oscar-nominated as well. Yeah. It's fantastic. So Netflix don't own every Roald Dahl story, just a select few. Yes. Okay, so that explains how Amazon Prime was able to do The Witches. Mm -hmm. That that film was trash. (laughs) I've not seen the new one with Anne Hathaway. You don't need to. Fair enough. We watched the old one recently. Yeah, first time seeing it. Mm-hmm. For me, I, that movie is terrifying. And obviously, I know that they're working on like the Wonka origin story with Timothy Chalamet. Yes, which, which I think is finished filming now, and I think is a musical because there's a lot of people that we've seen in like programs from like our live theatre. Yeah, for being background in, dancers like, Wonka, or so. yeah performers. But we're talking about Matilda. Uh, is th- this the first time we've talked about a role doll thing on the podcast? I'm going to say yes and be wrong, probably. <laughs> I, I mean, we've not talked about Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. No, but I would love to go and see that. Because that's touring. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. It's great. We've not talked about Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. No. Because that's a musical. We've not covered it. Maybe someday. That one feels like it doesn't count because there's it, so we, few We songs. had this argument last year on the best yeah, film ever, like top musicals, and it... It's one that I forgot about, but I think it does technically count. because Based are... off of the BFI's like yeah. judgment on it, yes, it counts as a musical, but it's not one of those films that I think of when I think musical, musical movie. No. So I think this is our first Roald Dahl. Mm-hmm. And I think this is maybe Roald Dahl's best story. I would agree. I have more fond memories of a different Roald Dahl book. Which one's that? this is definitely the first one that jumps out at you when you think Roald Dahl. I mean, I think it's that or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory are yeah. the two big ones. Mm. My or... favourite Roald Dahl when I was a kid was The Giraffe, The Pelly and Me. I don't know that one. It's basically, I don't even remember the circumstances surrounding it. Little boy moves into a house... And the house is already occupied by a giraffe, a pelican and a monkey. Nice. And they run a window washing business and they go and wash the windows of Buckingham Palace. And there's a cat burglar stealing the crown jewels and the pelly gets them back and they sing 
That's crazy. It's great. <laughs> there is another Roald Dahl that we will be discussing at some point. Yeah. James and the Giant Peach. Yes. Which is a phenomenal musical. That as well. movie, oh my god. And gave me nightmares. And we'll talk about that in a in a episode, I'm sure. But I point. need a stage adaptation of that. Yeah, that would be really good. I, I think I don't know how you would do it, but I think it would be really well, good. Well, if they if they're able to do the Winnie the Pooh or the Spirited Away. Yeah, but what I want is a giant peach that is on stage at all times, but opens like a storybook. Yeah. So you can see inside of it and then closes, and that's quite a feat. That is quite a feat. But I mean, if. But that's what I want. But, but <laughs> I have seen productions of uh, Death of a Salesman where they have like a whole house and the house opens up. Well, that's how they did Annie when it was revived on yeah. Broadway in the early 2000s. So they... The whole. Uh, orphanage was a picture book that opened up and closed and then is replaced by Daddy Warbucks. Yeah. So if they can do that for Annie or Death of a Salesman, they can do that for James of a Giant Peach. Yeah, I can dream. Matilda's one, I mean, I would say Matilda's one of my favourites because it, it feels like the most, like, wholesome of all of the stories. I think it also is the most easy to identify with yeah like obviously charlie and charlie in the chocolate factory is quite underprivileged as a character i think they make changes between the films and the book but with how underprivileged, underprivileged she is he's working class is the general gist of it both yeah. of his parents have to work so you're yeah. supposed to identify with that but then also the whole movie and the whole story is set in this wondrous, fantastical world. Whereas with Matilda, all of the threats are, are real. so real. And yes, you have like Matilda having the shining. Fully. She fully has the shining. Yeah. But it's kind of like that ultimate like revenge fantasy. And who doesn't wish like growing up that they could have had some of Matilda's powers, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to. And, and especially because there's the element of like, I'm getting, I'm giving comeuppance to people who deserve it. She doesn't use it against people that don't. I mean, that's a that's a slippery slope. But she doesn't use it against anyone that doesn't deserve it. She doesn't, does she? She's very measured and restrained with it. And it takes the Trunchbull doing a heck of a lot before she finally decides I'm going to do this. We also don't ever see her use it against kids. This is the the other yeah. thing, is that. A lot of the Roald Dahl books obviously are centred around children and they all really focus on fairness. Yes. And the injustice that you feel when you're a kid and you have no control over anything that is happening to you. Yeah, and Matilda sums it up as well, because I'm big and you're small and there's nothing you can do about it. Yes, which is not in this version. No, but and, and they also don't have the difficulty song, which is how I learned how to spell difficulty. From the film, because I love the Danny oh, DeVito Mrs. D, film. Mrs. I. Mrs. Why F- are these F- women married? <laughs> Mrs. D, Mrs. I, Mrs. F, F, I, Mrs. Great. C, Mrs. U, Mrs. L, T, Y. I still find it very jarring that Danny DeVito narrates it, but is also like evil Mr. Wormwood. I love that, because it's obviously a hindsight story. Yeah, but, I, you know, it's it's a really good adaptation, even though considering it's like Americanized. So Well, and that they, you know, there's a lot of liberties taken. And, yeah. But it's a good film. The stage musical. Yeah, so I've seen the stage musical. Same, bunch of times. I've seen it once in like 2013. And I have to admit, I was not 
wowed too much by it. You were whelmed. I was whelmed. I, I, I will say I don't think it helped that I was escorting like 30 kids mm. on one of the hottest days of the summer in the cheapest seats in the theatre where all the heat had There's risen. There's no aircon, yeah. You know, and I think all of that very much took the pleasure out of it. Mm-hmm. I remember being wowed by this amazing young cast, but I didn't like some of the adult ensemble cast members. And like that they were like the maggots. Yeah. I love the maggots. <laughs> I didn't I, I didn't really like it because it, I found it too much like who am I trying to focus on here? They're just there to pad out the cast, yes. essentially. Which they and need, yeah. Also, when you have live children performing in a show, I think the off the top of my head, we'll get to actual numbers later, but I I think the youngest child to be in Matilda was like six. You need adults on oh, stage. Oh, you absolutely do need adults <laughs> To make on sure stage. that one, they're not going to fall into the orchestra pit. And two, when you do things like the swing sequence, yeah. you have somebody there who can catch a child. Yeah, and the swings, were, I remember being amazing. And I loved the whole like set design of the books. You know? Yeah. I think that was great. And, and very high tech as well as like when the trunch ball has like the cameras and it's all lasers. There's a lot of really good things. But the most impressive thing and the thing that even if I was whelmed by the show, the thing that has stuck with me and I have always loved about this show is, of course, Tim Minchin's lyrics. Yes. The way that he got involved in this, the Royal Shakespeare Company yes. were going to adapt this and did. Obviously. Was it always planned to be a musical or was it? Yes. Okay. With direction by Matthew Warchus and the adaption was going to be written by Dennis Kelly. And Matthew Warchus saw Tim Minchin live in 2009 in his tour called Ready for This. Yeah. And watched that whole show of Tim Minchin's. And then he played this song in the encore, which is called White Wine in the Sun, which is a really nice yeah. song. And basically went up and begged him (laughs) was like you have to write this however hilariously tim minchin in the earlier 2000s had actually petitioned roald dahl's estate to let him have the rights to matilda so he'd already had songs in the back of his mind anyway so that he could adapt it for a local theater group in perth fair enough in australia not perfect one of the things i just want to circle back to you said written by dennis kelly Yes. Did Dennis Kelly write the final version of this? Yes. Is this Dennis Kelly who also wrote DNA? Yes. <laughs> Crazy. I don't know what that is. Oh, I teach DNA. Yeah, I like, know that you do because I've heard you talk about it. It's in a set text but... and it's all about like teenagers who kill one of their gang, like trying to initiate them. Or they think they've killed him and then they cover it up and each time they go, they could make the right choice, it gets worse. So they frame like an innocent man. It just gets worse and worse. It gets worse because they make up a man and then an actual man gets arrested and like, we're going to say it's him. And then the person shows up and they're like, oh, what do we do? And then they kill him. It's crazy. And like, I had no idea Dennis Kelly was involved in this. Yeah. It's nice when I know the writers' names as well. Mm. Well, so he also did the movie. Really? Yeah. Oh, very cool. It's good that they kept him on stuff. Because obviously I know that the movie has changes. Yes. So he was involved in writing the script for the movie as well. Mm-hmm. So he was aware of those changes and he helped make those changes happen. Yeah. Because that's good when you have it in, ironically, it's DNA. Mm-hmm. Because 
you don't begrudge the changes when they come from the same creative team as much. Yeah. You know, if somebody was now creating a brand new film version of My Fair Lady, any changes would feel disingenuous because it's not the people who wrote it. Yeah. Well, so the original sort of team working on the Stratford-upon-Avon RSC opener for this in 2010, we have Tim Minchin, Dennis Kelly, Matthew Warshus, Chris Nightingale doing the music supervision, Robert Howell as the set designer, and Peter Darling doing the choreography. Yeah. Which, first of all, best name ever. <laughs> Love yeah. that for him. But you will know him as the... He's sort of best known... For choreographing Billy Elliot. Cool. But so, also Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and then Groundhog Day. So, Which again, Tim mentioned, and that's coming back to England at the Old Vic and we are going to try and get tickets to see it. We are going to see that. I love yeah. that musical. And that will be a 2023 episode, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So he also has a, has a career then of choreographing children. Yeah. Which is partly why the choreography is so good with this, is it's appropriate for the kids. Mm-hmm. And was he involved? They were all involved in the film as well? No. So when it came to the film, Peter Darling wasn't available. Okay. But they got Ellen Kane, who worked with Peter Darling on the stage adaptation, to do the. So at least somebody who's very much aware of the Matilda story and all that. And jazz. worked on it before and yeah. knows what they're doing. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, for me, I would say Matilda the Musical, probably like three out of five when I saw it. And Mm -hmm. I'm very aware that that was maybe not the best way to see it. And if I ever see the stage show again, I'm sure it would be different. Yeah, so I've seen the stage show three or four times, I think. When I went to sixth form or college, whatever it is that you call it, I think it's just high school in America. You know, I was 18. Yeah, 17 and 18. Yeah, and... I did the performance studies program and they took us to see a whole bunch of different musicals and we got to learn some of the choreography from Matilda, which was really, really fun. We did the um, school song, which is the one where they spell the alphabet out. It's really fun. And a couple of the times I saw it, we were sort of, you know, back seats as far back as you can get. One of the times I saw it, we were in the stalls. And that swing section when you're in the stalls is insane to yeah, watch. Yeah, I'd imagine. A little bit scary yeah. <laughs> for the kids. The only thing that I really remember is that at the end of the stage musical, so if you've only seen the film version, the Danny DeVito film version, or if you've only seen the new musical film version, you know that Matilda's father is a con man who's selling bad cars to people. And one of the things that he gets wrapped up in is that he sells bad cars to a mobster or something. Yeah. It's like implied mobster. In the stage show, at the end, that mobster shows up and he is the Russian mob. And he is this big Russian guy and a bunch of his goons show up to kill Mr. Wormwood. And... Matilda talks to them in Russian because she decided that she wanted to read, I think it's like... War and Peace, like Tolstoyevsky. Yeah, kind of thing, in its original language to better understand it because, of course, of course she did. So she learned Russian. So she's talking Russian to these guys. The girl that I was sat next to 
while we were watching this from my class was Russian. And she said they the only things they said in Russian was hello. <laughs> and that everything else was just garbled nonsense oh, that didn't make any sense. So that's not good. It's not great. It's kind of understandable when you have an eight-year-old yes. who doesn't speak the language yeah. that you would just teach them a couple of things to say. And if they pronounce it wrong, it's not the end of the world. However, there's also adult performers talking who back should, who yeah. should be talking the, the actual language that you're going for. It's sort of more forgivable, I think, in a child. Yeah, no, definitely, because you're asking a lot of that child. That child who has been on stage for the entire run of the show. Exactly. But yeah, that's sort of my main thing that I remember from seeing the musical. I mean, obviously we're not reviewing that one, but if you had to give it a star rating now, just like, where would you rank it? What what would you kind of say for your experience of the stage show? Or like four and a half. Four and a half. So you, you look on it a lot more favourably than I do. I, every time I've been to see it, I've absolutely sobbed through it. And a bunch of the specific songs that really get me in this musical, which we'll talk about when we come to them in the film. Yeah. Or don't, as the case may be. (laughs) Yes, because obviously we are lucky that we have seen this film. It had a launch in the UK at cinemas. Mm -hmm. We saw it opening weekend. Mm -hmm. But we're aware that we're also, this episode is dropping on Boxing Day. When it's for wider audiences on Netflix. Yes, so we're aware a lot of people will not have seen this in the same way with West Side Story a year ago. Mm-hmm. A lot of people won't have seen this. So we are going to try and keep this spoiler free. I mean... As spoiler free as possible. Yeah, so obviously spoiler warnings are in effect. It's not like the same... Well, it kind of is. It's not on par with Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, the musical, where there is a huge spoiler warning attached to that. Mm-hmm. If you know the story of Matilda... Then you, you know what you're going to watch. However, yeah. if you've never seen Matilda the musical, there will be stuff in here that does actually surprise you because I remember watching it as a musical and wondering where a certain plot was going mm-hmm. and just being like, this makes no sense. I've never seen this before. This isn't in the book. This isn't in the film. And I like it. But yeah, obviously, spoiler warning. Mm-hmm. I think the cast of this look incredible. Yeah, me too. I think one of the best choices that they've made is to have Emma Thompson play the trunchbull. Yes, because on the West End... It's traditionally a man. It's a it's like a drag performance. Well, so a lot of the feedback that the role of the trunchbull got and a lot of the feedback that they got going into making this film, because originally it was Ray Fiennes that was cast to play Ooh. the Trunchbull. Now, he's he would, a very good performer. He is a very good actor, and he would be terrifying. Really terrifying. But one of the biggest bits of feedback that the character of the Trunchbull gets is that in being played by a man, there is this woman who is essentially punished for being unfeminine. Yeah. Because all of the other female characters in this show are highly feminine. And that that's like, maybe not great. Yeah. So one of the... And the thing is, obviously, the difference between a stage show where you have a man playing that role and you're only going to get a certain amount of feedback to a film that is then going to be on Netflix forever where you're going to get a lot of feedback. Yeah. And it's happened a lot recent in recent years with adaptations and with remakes of movies changing things to update to a modern age. And I think that's 
not necessarily a bad thing. No, I mean, unfortunately, that new Little Mermaid is getting a lot of harassment online. For no reason. For no reason. I literally know. cried when the trailer played the other day because I'm so excited. It's yeah, my favourite Disney I film. I don't know the name of the actor playing Ariel, but she looks phenomenal. Hallie Bailey. She, she looks phenomenal and she sounds phenomenal with the little bit we heard. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm all for casting the right person for the role. Yeah. You know. Um, and also we can't knock how important it is for children to see black characters as the leads and as these princesses because yeah. so far we have Tiana who's a frog for a whole movie yeah and that's not good representation no it really isn't and you know we've said it before as well that you know like I teach kids and when it comes to like giving them scripts I'll be like oh but I can't play this script because I'm not white it's like who said it's not, not important that this character is white mm-hmm. it's not it's just that's the version you've seen or you know, any character should be able to play this. And we've yeah. seen so many good shows where they have just cast the right person for the role and we can look past. Well, and one of the things that I saw recently with the new touring cast of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, yeah. Charlie can be a girl of any ethnicity. Yeah, well, I saw... And they've just got a really good, strong cast of kids yeah. to play that role. And it's the same with School of Rock, like... We saw versions of School of Rock where Freddie was female. Yeah. And there are some kids I think it does matter in School of Rock, you know, about... The ones where it's relevant, yeah. yeah like, I, I think for some but of But when them, it's a character who is irrelevant to their storyline... Yeah, that doesn't matter. Makes no difference. Exactly, it's the right person for the right role, you know, so... Mm. I'm, ex- I'm, I'm excited to see this one. The more I've seen the trailers of this... Yeah. The more hyped I've got, mm-hmm. especially because the music sounds very similar. I love Revolting Children. It is one of my favourite musical songs ever. Yeah. Makes me think of my mum. It's one of her favourite songs as well. Hmm. One of my favourite things when you go into the theatre is there's a little chalkboard that says, we found out where the chalk is stored. Yeah, that's Which cute. I think is really great. Mm. And all of the tiles around and everything. Yeah. Be interested to see if any of that is played into this in any way. Yeah. You know, like the letters being imprinted into things? Yes. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, And especially as well, some of the stuff you've shown me on TikTok that's gone viral, like there's a dance during Revolting Children, just looks incredible. Yes, who everyone keeps calling her the Red Beret Girl. Her character name is Hortensia. Hortensia? She's the one in the Danny DeVito film who's always eating a lollipop. Yes. And tells the kids about the chokey. Yeah. And she's a lot older in that than she is in this. Yeah, it's a weird... She's like, like a teenager. <laughs> yeah, it's like a weird old, like... It's like nativity. It's like... <laughs> These kids should not be in the same year group. Yeah. It's <laughs> all very, 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 like, confused. But mm. this is one that I've really got hyped to watch and I think is going to be a really excellent way to end this year. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we go to the cinema? I will say I'm really excited to see Alicia Weir... As Matilda, she, she is, from yeah. the looks of it, a really fantastic performer. She's also doing a very, very convincing English accent, considering she's, English. she's Irish. Oh, cool. Yeah. And she, she, she naturally, she has an Irish accent. She so. looks absolutely uh, brilliant in the role as well, from what I've seen. Like, you know, she, she's got some great facial expressions. Mm-hmm. Who else is in this? So we've got Emma Thompson, who I think will be absolutely brilliant. Yep. I'm not as used to seeing her as a villain. She's very much like Nanny McPhee. She's always like the nice 
person. Manny McPhee is evil. No, but you know what I mean? Like, she's got good <laughs> intentions and obviously, like, Love Actually, she, I will love her forever for that, for what Alan Rickman did to her in Love Actually. This can't be films where she's a villain. I can't think of any. I guess last Christmas she's kind of perceived as the nagging mother, even though she, like, helped write it and directed it, I think. I guess. You know, but she's not really the villain. I, I can't think of one. And she's great as Trelawney, who I guess is a villain because she's so <laughs> yeah. annoying. She's so incompetent. I love Emma Thompson. Uh, we've also got Lashana Lynch, who you will recognise from James Bond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's playing Miss Honey. Cool. Yeah. Oh, because she was in uh, No Time to Die and she was, uh, well, I'm not going to say in case people listen to our show and our James Bond fans and haven't seen No Time to Die yet. She's... She's 007. She's James Bond, right? She's James Bond. <laughs> yeah, okay. okay. But uh, that's fantastic. I had no idea she was in this. Yeah. I, I really like her and I didn't know she could sing. I thought she was more of an action person, you know, like... Mm-hmm. That's very cool. And then they have over 200 children for the rest of the school. Cool. Which is very exciting. Brilliant. Well, you know, I'm I'm ready to see uh, if this version that Netflix has cooked up is as delicious as the cake Bruce Bogtrotter eats. You. You don't like that as a comparison? I hate that scene. It upsets me. I it's, it, it definitely is a really gross scene in the film. In the God, that's going to get confusing. It's it's a gross scene in the Danny DeVito film. It's very gross. Mm-hmm. And obviously on the stage show, it's it's handled in a different way. I'm excited to see how that's handled here. Oh, there's so many bits of Matilda I like, and I can't wait to see how they they tackle this because I think you are coming against a very difficult film because. The first Matilda film is good. I don't think people genuinely complain about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's remembered quite fondly. Yeah. If you're going to do a new version of it, why not do the musical just like they're doing with Mean Girls? Mm. Oh, I'm excited. Which they have now cast. I saw. Cool. So we're off to the cinema and we will be back uh, to tell you if this version is revolting shortly after intermission. And we are back. Yes, we have revolted. Mm-hmm. I was going to say we've been to the Chokey <laughs> and survived. Yeah, we've survived the Chokey. And I think we had a wonderful time with this one. Oh, yeah, 100%. I cried. <laughs> yeah, I, I got teary at a few things as well um, through it. Because it's one of those really... I think everyone can put themselves in that position of, of Matilda. Mm-hmm. You know, where you're not getting the respect you deserve. And you're being marginalized yeah and that feeling of acceptance as well i think this is a very good adaptation Mm. and it justifies its existence you know because it is so good yeah it's not trying to be the old matilda it's its own new thing and it does a very good job of that yeah 
one of the things I was kind of worried about going into this, not worried, but interested to see about going into this, was the way that they would adapt some of the performances. So, for example, the most famous thing about Matilda the Musical is the swing sequence. It's literally on the poster. Yes. And that's when I grow up. And so I was interested to see how they were going to change that. When I grow up was beautiful. Really, really gorgeous. And the way that they did it just made it even more... Even more childish in the way that you do imagine things when you're a kid and the way that you see the world and yourself. Yeah, I I really liked when I grew up as a sequence and seeing the kind of children's... And again, this is the perks of it being children instead of having the maggots that you keep the children doing this and you Mm -hmm. see the children in their perceived imagined future selves, but they're still the children actors dressed up doing this. I just thought it was... It was amazing. Mm. And just how everything came together in that sequence. Like, that that was one that definitely made me teary as well, watching it. Mm-hmm. They did, however, <laughs> get rid of some songs. Yes, so... One of the major changes to this story is that we don't have the character of Michael anymore, which is Matilda's brother, in every other version. yes. I don't think he's always called Michael, but in the stage musical, he's called Michael. And he's supposed to come off like Dudley Dursley. Yeah. Like, he's thick. <laughs> and that's kind of his whole character. He's just idiot child who sits in front of the TV with the dad. Yeah, very much like his dad's son. Yeah. But, well, not even, because, like, even though Mr. Wormwood's a horrible person, he is actually quite clever. But what I mean is, like, he's definitely a product of their upbringing Mm -hmm. you know that the smarts haven't been ingrained into him like his dad's because you know his dad isn't a good parent yeah you know definitely in the the mara wilson movie for sure yeah and we also don't have one of my favorite characters from the show rodolfo (laughs) i'm so sad It's so not important to the plot, though. And it does... To not have Michael does change Matilda's character a tiny bit. Yeah. I think. How do you think? Well, so... The opening song is called Miracle. My mummy says I'm a miracle. Which, first of all, is completely brilliant in this version. absolutely. Like, just, just wonderful. Like, it sets the tone... Mm-hmm. so well for what this film is going to be it is fun it is bright it's i just love having the babies involved in this as well and like the parents peering over them yeah but then your favorite bit is obviously the doctor yeah because it's matt henry who we previously have seen in kinky boots which i know you didn't like but you can't deny he's a phenomenal performer oh no i can't deny that and i won't deny that i don't, for me it's the issue of the plot but I think... Oh, yeah, but Matt Henry is the Doctor in this bit. This is my favourite part of this song in any version of this song, is the Doctor's bit about, like, every life is... Precious. Precious and and great and, like, Matilda is amazing and whatever, you know. Everybody thinks their baby is the best baby to ever be born. Yeah. Obviously. 
But so that's so great. And then we have this sort of continuing joke through this movie, which is that Mr. Wormwood can't fathom having a kid that isn't a boy. Yes. Like he obviously has this very ingrained your firstborn is a boy thing. Mrs. Wormwood didn't know she was pregnant. Yeah, she's like about to go dancing and she's like got a very visible bump and she's actually in labour at the time. Mm-hmm. But we've cut all singing from Mr. and Mrs. Wormwood. Which... They have one tiny bit in this song and then it never happens again. I don't mind so much. Now, so, I understand why they got rid of Telly. Yes. Because that song in the stage show is sort of an interval performance and is very funny. It's there just to be entertaining. It's not really furthering the plot. We already know that Mr. Wormwood doesn't think books are important. We're not getting anything further through this. So I can understand why they cut it. And they wanted to keep this movie under 120 minutes. And it's, I think, 115-ish. 117. I was close. So they did what they wanted to do. But then they also got rid of Loud, which I think is one of the best written songs in Matilda. Because even though Mrs. Wormwood is a horrible person, she's not wrong in this song. Like, You're not taking anything inherently negative away from this song because what she's saying is you need to advocate for yourself and, you know, don't hide your light under a bushel yeah, kind of thing, which is advice that Matilda takes to heart. Like, Matilda never tries to hide who she is. She's always authentically herself, right? Whereas Miss Honey is never authentically herself. She's always trying to sort of mask who she is a little bit. It's a good point. So it's just an interesting song. But we get rid of this whole subplot where Mrs. Wormwood is a ballroom dancer, salsa dancer. And she has this dance partner called Rodolfo, who she's definitely having an affair with. And that whole thing is just not in it. Rodolfo never appears. Michael never appears. So they got rid of those. I have to say I didn't miss it. I didn't ever feel like there was something that was missing. Because as characters, they are kind of mini foils. Mm -hmm. And you obviously have some great bits with Matilda pranking her dad. And it all leads to her going to school. And things obviously take a turn. They get worse before we get the moment at the end where there's a sweet exchange at the end. Not I've, with Mrs. Wormwood. Not though, with Mrs. Wormwood. Which is always interesting to me, but like... Yeah. But I felt like I, I was satisfied with their arc. I didn't feel like I was wanting for anything else. Mm-hmm. I think Stephen Graham and Andrea Riseborough do a great job as these characters. You know, they are hamming it up. And I really like their dynamic with each other and with Matilda. Yeah. You do get this dysfunctional family. Well, like I say, like because they don't have Michael, yeah. they don't know what to do with this kid. They they really don't know how to parent at all Yeah, with anything that they're doing. They forget to send her to school. Yeah, and they get in trouble because like the school officer attended. The school inspector like... comes around and is like, hey... And then uh, it's Miss Honey as well comes. Yes, Miss Honey And is like, have you been home educated? And Matilda's like, 
Mustn't tell a lie. Yeah. So I think I think those characters are used effectively. Yes, they perhaps could have more, but I don't think the film is going to lose points for them not being like further developed. Mm. There are two other songs that are cut. Yeah. From this. And one new song. Okay. What's the new song? Still Holding My Hand. It's the finale. Okay. Still Holding Your Hand, sorry. And that replaces just the encore, essentially, of Matilda. Which maybe doesn't work as well on film. Yeah. This song is more... It's less triumphant, but more heartfelt. Yeah. And I think it's more true to real people than to stage characters. Yeah. The other two songs that we lose are Pathetic and This Little Girl. Pathetic, they're both sung by Miss Honey, right? Pathetic is the Hannibal Lecter song. And by that, (laughs) such a weird thing to explain. By that, I mean, if you have seen Silence of the Lambs, you know Hannibal Lecter as a character does not show up for like the first 50 minutes of that film, right? And by the time we get to him, we're so set up with how terrifying he's going to be that when you actually see him, you're like, oh. He's not that scary. He's not that scary. That is what this song is supposed to do. It's when she goes to tell the Trunchbull that Matilda's a genius and yes. she sings this song and it, it's like, knock on the door, Jenny, just knock on the door, stop being pathetic. And she's trying to gear herself up to actually knock and go in. Yeah. And then in the end, she doesn't even have to knock because the Trunchbull knows that she's there. And it's setting you up because this adult is scared of the Trunchbull. We've heard about her from the kids. And yeah. as an audience member, you're kind of like, okay, it's a teacher. Like, yeah, because, you, know. you, you know, we work as teachers. We know what kids are like. You know, they'll say things. and Well, it's always funny to me when kids say, oh, that teacher's so scary. And you're like, really? Because we just had a cup of tea and he's hilarious. Like, yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? And that's what this is, is like setting up like, oh, no, even the teachers are scared of this woman. Yeah. But again, I think they do a good job with that in this film. Like, I I mean... I just wish we also had that because the only people who are scared of the Trunchbull so far are kids. Yeah. And I, I wish we had Miss Honey being scared of her in a more noticeable. internal monologue yeah. way with this song. I think Lashana Lynch does a really good job with that. And can obviously sing really well, so I don't know why they cut all of her songs. Well, that's the other thing is because she can, and I was surprised by just how well she could sing because I've not seen that side of her. Yeah. She can sing incredibly well, so it does make no sense that it would be cut mm. other than the fact that we're looking at, oh, we're 117 minutes. Do we need this two-minute song? Well, Pathetic's not even that long. You know, I... feel I, like we could have kept that one. They, they could have. I the still other one... think they do an effective job, though. Yeah. The other one is this little girl, which takes place immediately after the scene where she talks. It's after Throw the Hammer. Yes. She gets kicked out. It's actually sung a couple of times throughout the show, but it's basically. And it is technically in the film. In the same way that Home is technically in the Beauty and the Beast movie. Yeah. In that it's played, it's not sung. But it's supposed to be Miss Honey realizing her connection to Matilda and being like I'm such a loser and I let myself be treated this way I'm not going to let this happen to this little girl who doesn't even realize that she's special yeah 
And, and this is before Matilda knows about any powers or anything. This is she's just a genius. Yeah, because yeah. it's after the bit. Because we have that nice bit where it's her first lesson, mm-hmm. and she goes, "Will you solve that? Uh, sort that out for me?" She's pointing to the board, and she means wipe it. I finished that off. Finished it off like for that. me, and it's like the wiping off the board. But instead, she's talking to all the kids as she goes up and down. Yeah, it's such books. a good scene. And all of them are like, "What?" And Matilda's. So she realizes that all the kids are just sat there, like. What and she is looks happening? and sees that Matilda's finished off this equation. She said, "That's what I thought you meant by finished off for me," mm-hmm. which is a really great sequence. So hilarious! It, it's so this good. is her realizing that as a child she didn't have a champion, mm-hmm. and Matilda doesn't have a champion, so she is going to be the champion of Matilda. Yeah. Okay, that would have been quite nice as a sequence to to include. Mm-hmm. I miss pathetic. I think it's a really good song. Lashana Lynch is so clearly a really good performer. Yeah. Because what we do have is My House, which is the song that I sobbed through the hardest. Yeah. And just is one of the songs that, again, shows her connection to Matilda, is like, here's what I have. Here's this space where I can be me. Because the place that Matilda has where she can be her... Is her little Is the attic. library. It's not even her attic That's because true. she it can be disturbed at any time yeah. in her attic. And in this version, it's not a static library. It's a mobile library. It's a mobile library. <laughs> it's not clear when this film is set. And apparently that's on purpose. I think it's it's designed to be old because you see them with old suites. Yes. Well, it's so the old suites apparently are a reference to boy. Yeah. Which is that when Roald Dahl was at school, his school was right next to a chocolate factory. Yeah. And they used to bring the chocolates to his school and test them out on the kids. Which, first of all, sounds illegal. But, you know, I guess it's consumer. Yeah. It's not like you're testing them for the taste. You're testing them to be like, how do we market this? Consumer research, yeah. yeah. But, so, the specifically, the curly-whirly yeah. that Matilda is handed is the one from the late 70s because curly whirlies were only invented in the 70s and it's very retro in terms of the fashion for and the cars yeah so i i do think it's designed to be a little bit older yeah because i don't but think... it's meant to be ambiguous about when it is and when we go to rewatch it we don't see any mobile phones that's the thing is we're going we are of course going to be rewatching it probably today like the episode is going to go live and we'll mm-hmm. we'll rewatch it ourselves um I want to watch it for anachronistic things, you know? Like, do we see things that don't fit in with that world? But apparently that's the point. We're supposed to see things that don't fit in with that world. Because, again, it's the way that we watch this movie from Matilda's perspective. There really aren't many scenes that we spend without Matilda. No. No, it's true, we don't. Uh, One of my favourite musical sequences is Naughty. Yeah, I think it's great. I love the Includes seagull. My favorite character, the seagull, the seagull. is great. Oh I think it has that Such kind a of stupid little thing. For me, it has the Anna in the Apocalypse, um, turning my life around esque vibe to the choreography. Mm-hmm. It just feels really like triumphant, and it is that moment where Matilda's like, "I'm going to turn my life around." You know, sometimes you have to play them at their own game. Yep, I think it's a really great little sequence, especially with the fact that like her parents can hear her making noise. And her dad goes up to see what's going on and she's in her bed and he's like, what's going on? Like, she, it, it really is good at summing up that she is smarter than... Two adults. Two adults. Yeah. 
playing them at their own game, but that she's not malicious, that there's like this lovely spirit to her. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. The, the, other... um, the seagull. The seagull is great. Is hilarious. I don't know whether this is a real seagull that they had on set and they just got it to stand there. Or if it's a CGI seagull and it, it was edited after. I don't know. I couldn't find help. But it's so funny. This seagull just watches her climb across the roof, is completely unfazed by her doing like cartwheels yeah. and stuff, and then gives her this look like, what are you doing? It's so <laughs> the most withering. <laughs> it's great. Love the seagull. I think the thing is, if we look at all the songs, there are so many good ones. Like the school song is perfect. Mm-hmm absolutely perfect and is where we get introduced to hortensia who is for some reason allowed to dress like this yes i love this sequence so much and i love the song because i think it's such a clever song that only tim minchin could do Mm -hmm. and if you've not heard the song before listen to it when, when you watch it and just listen for the alphabet yeah because it's so good not, and then when they make it clear they make it clear because they do it twice and when you when it's then clear you could hear in the cinema people going oh, oh yeah and it was very very cool it's a great sequence and it mm-hmm. takes us on a tour of trunchbull academy is that what it's called in here crunchum hall crunchum hall i think it's really good it gets to know the vibe that you you know you do feel like you're in danger and like the kids aren't united yeah. You know, whereas they should be united against the Trunchbull, they're not. They're all just kind of like secular in their own little gangs. Yeah. The Hammer, I like as a really good villain introduction song mm. to the Trunchbull. And I especially love, you know, I, I love the way that Emma Thompson performs this. She's talking to, well, not necessarily this song, but like this sequence. Generally, yeah. She's talking to Miss Honey, but she's not even engaging. She's literally just looking at all her spy cameras. And it's really interesting in terms of the technology. Like, that's anachronistic, I think. No, because that's in the stage show. I know, but in terms of this world where we're not sure where it is, like all these cameras and everything. I feel like CCTV's been around but for a lot longer than But not on that scale, surely, where she's like got the little, not the mouse thing, but it's it's not a mouse, but it's like a little glow. It's a joystick, yeah. yeah. I, I, do you know what? I just really liked it. But she's... Well, it's because, so as Miss Honey is talking about Matilda, the Trunchbull is trying to find her. Yes. In her cameras it's so good do you remember what the school motto is no do you know what it is in english no it's uh so we are maggots or something in latin it's uh bambinatum est magitum which is children are maggots yeah which is excellent (laughs) love that you can actually buy if you go and see the musical um merch that says that on and i think i need a mug that says that for me when i'm teaching teaching yeah but I think it's a really good introduction to her. You see, like, the hammer bit and, you know, she talks about discipline. It's like, she she genuinely thinks she's right. Mm-hmm. And one of the best bits of this journey for me, of the film, is watching Emma Thompson slowly get more, get and, more, more and, and more unhinged. <laughs> yeah. And she plays it brilliantly. She is scary. Like, mm-hmm. she is absolutely terrifying yeah. in this. And it has, like, horror undertones. Like, if you are a little kid, you'll be scared of the Trunchbull. Mm-hmm. I'm a grown man who really likes Emma Thompson. She's still scary. She's still scary. Mm-hmm. And watching her, like, by the time you get to um, pre-revolting children, she is completely unhinged. And that mm-hmm. finale sequence where Matilda finally, like, exposes her and saves the day. Yeah. Oh. I love... 
this song. I love the hammer because I just think it's so funny, especially when she gets the tannoy yes. system and she's like, sing, children. And they all sing. <laughs> and so it. then they sing. And then she throws it at Miss Honey and is like, sing, Jenny. <laughs> so she has to do it too. So good. It's so good. And this so, is... uh, It's kind of a bop. And the fact that it ends on on the beat and she goes no get out and yeah. like that's it end of scene emma thompson again like it doesn't surprise me that she can sing as well as this i, I... we've heard her sing before when i don't know <laughs> that's the thing is i'm sure i have heard her sing like it shouldn't be a surprise to me because i'm sure i have heard her sing she's in beauty and the beast of course she's she's, she's, in the new, she's mrs yeah. Potts. so there we go but and this is the thing is I could say that as well. The only time that arguably we maybe have seen her be more like a villain is possibly as P.L. Traffers in Saving Mr. Banks. Mm. You know? She's just so good in this. And I think no one will be disappointed by her take on the Trunchbull. And if there's anyone who's going in going, oh, well, I do like it in the stage show where it's a man doing the Trunchbull, I don't think you'll be angry at this casting decision yeah it doesn't really matter yeah the bruce sequence is brilliant you know where they start off in their school uniforms but as the sequence emerges mm -hmm. they go into like these really flashy things and again i love the rhythm of bruce you know like the whole song's rhythm is great yeah the kid who plays bruce bogtrotter his name is charlie hodson Pryor. And this is his only IMDb credit, which is very cool. I feel really sorry for him that he has to spend... The entire movie with a jumper. With the jumper, like... But... Like the pillow shoved up yeah. it or whatever, yeah. And there are times where I think it does look a little distracting. Mm -hmm. You know, because there are bits when he's dancing, especially through revolting children, it does look a little off. Yeah. But his performance, like, again, you see his Bruce and then you see him getting really, like downtrodden and broken by the trunch ball mm -hmm. i think he does a really good job at developing his character he's not the joke and this disgusting footnote like in the danny devito version yeah and charlie hodson prior has previously played gavroche cool. in Miz, which i think you can tell that he's a theater yeah yeah absolutely he's a theater kid, kid. for sure but there's a lot of kid characters in matilda the musical compared to the old movie i say old it's not that old but you know what i mean yeah where they get a lot more character to them so like obviously we all remember matilda's weird best friend lavender yes who has a pet newt yeah because why not then we've got in this version nigel who i love now Nigel's nigel the narcoleptic what do you call it narcoleptic, narcoleptic. yeah is Nigel I love him. the character that Rob Madge played in in the stage show? Rob Madge was in the stage show? Yes, Rob Madge was in the stage show. And there was a little bit of controversy because their character has been cut from like future productions. But Rob Madge was absolutely... No, no. So, Nigel has always been in the show. Okay. Rob Madge played Reginald. Okay, that's it. In fairness, similar that? names. Similar names, yeah. You know, they've got the j noise. Mm -hmm. So they played Reginald. Reginald isn't in this one. Yeah. That's a shame. They should have just brought Rob Madge 
into this film just to play like the one adult role, but yeah. just Reginald in the background. They would have poor old Reginald absolutely nailed this. Yeah, no, they the character Nigel is the kid who somebody puts treacle on the trunchbull's chair and her knickers stick to the yes, and then they cover him with coats and say that he has narcolepsy. Yeah, and it leads to poor old Amanda Thrip being thrown over the playground wall yeah and surviving which the, the trunchbull is quite sad about <laughs> i like how in the finale the trunchbull kind of has that has the comeuppance of yeah, that mm-hmm. which is very cool the sequence that for me obviously i was waiting for this whole time was revolting children did not disappoint mm-hmm. i think it was absolutely incredible and Hortensia's dance the dances kids in the background that yeah. just do backflips off of the walls the dancing like... the choreography is brilliant and the shot tracking of it as well it's so mm. well executed I really enjoyed it you know like that was the one I was most like hyped for because it is like a song that I love yeah so that absolutely delivered for me as well I had the same thing with the Fizz Ed song The Smell of Rebellion <gasps> yes so that song is the one in the stage show where the Trunchbull does a flip across the stage. And it is, like, it's always the actual performer. It's not like they get somebody who can do a flip to come yeah. and do it. They get they train that performance to do it. Obviously, that doesn't happen in this version. No, but this is a really good sequence as well. The way that they perform this is properly insane. But when they get to the double time part of it, if you know the song, you know what I'm talking about, but where she suddenly is like discipline, discipline for children who aren't listening. And it just gets really, really fast. And all the kids are like running to keep up. It's so well done. Yeah. And you have this muddy obstacle course as well. Like I think the film does a really good job at. And the kids all have to get changed on their way to yes. the field. So they're just losing clothes and like changing into their sad little PE kids. And, and that's the thing is one of the things I was really concerned with because the set for this is majestic. Yeah. You know, uh, when you go see it, you have all the books and you have the swings how well was it going to translate when you set it in like a real ish world? Oh man, the school is terrifying to look at, but mm. like this is a sequence as well. The filmmakers of this have really thought hard about how they're going to translate from stage to screen and it works impeccably. Yeah. And all, all of the settings in this world are so well thought out. So, like I was saying before, Matilda's place where she can be herself is the mobile library. Yeah. Which, I can't remember the... Uh, Mrs. Phelps, who runs the mobile library. Yeah. It's the only person who really listens to Matilda, and Matilda tells her her stories and everything, and we'll get to that plot line as well. But all of the backdrops to the places where she goes and meets the mobile library. So she'll be talking to Mrs. Phelps, and she'll be like, oh where will you be tomorrow? And she's like, oh, tomorrow I'm at the windmill. Tomorrow I'll be at the lake. (laughs) Yeah. And all of these backdrops are just so beautiful and so, you know, when you have that really warm orangey light and it just makes you feel cosy in summer, that's how they're all lit. Is so that you feel like this is a place where Matilda is relaxed and she can be herself. And then at the end of every single one of those scenes, the lighting changes because Mrs. Phelps will say something like, I'm sure your parents are so lucky to have you. Yeah. 
I'm sure your parents are waiting for you for dinner and all of those things. And the lighting changes because suddenly we're in the real world again. And it's so clever. I just, I love the way that it is. It is done. Yeah, I think it's really, really well shot. Mm-hmm. In terms of a little bit of plot, you've mentioned that we have Matilda telling stories. Yes, we have the story of the acrobat and the escapologist. Yeah. Which stems from Matilda's parents making a joke. Yeah. Um, I can't remember which way round they say they are. It must be the, the same way as the story. So, oh yeah, it is. So Matilda's mum makes a joke about how if Mr. Wormwood expects her to keep the house clean and for her to look beautiful and for Matilda to go to school and all of these things, she must be an acrobat. Yeah. And he says, oh, well, if you're a flipping acrobat, I must be an escapologist. And they make a joke about it. And Matilda looks at them and then she goes away. And then we get this story. That and it's out. really good that the origin starts there because you kind of think that she's... Basing it off of them. Yeah. Yeah. And as we go through, that she adds more and more to the story. She only tells the story to Mrs. Phelps. And in, in segments as well. So Mrs. Phelps is always left on this cliffhanger, which <laughs> what is What happens great. next? I don't know. It hasn't come to me yet. Yeah. And so the story of the escapologist and the acrobat is that they are the most brilliant performers in the world. Everybody loves them. Everybody wants to come to see them. And they desperately want a child and they can't have one. Yeah. And so they sign up to do this stupidly dangerous act yeah, and we can't. I, I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try and remember what it's called. But essentially, he's locked in a cage. She's blindfolded, but she, also got a bomb in her hair, and she. No, she's not blindfolded. She has. She's going to do a trapeze act. Yeah. With dynamite in her hair over sharks and spiky objects, which yes. is my favourite line in that because she says the same continuous line every time she says it. And this spiky objects bit is the yeah. most kid sounding and bit. And he's going to get out of this cage and save her from it. Yeah, he has to escape the chains, get out, swing across and grab her before she falls to her death in the sharks and spiky objects. And they announce this because their life has no meaning. And it's only as they're about to perform it do they realise that she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. And everyone's happy. They're like, oh, we don't need you to perform. That's fine. Yes. Except However, for... a contract is a contract is a contract. An evil stepsister. Yes. Or sister-in-law. No, so it's the... Stepsister. Acrobat's stepsister. And this is at she's the point where you're watching and you start to realise there's more to this story. Yes, because the woman who is playing the acrobat's stepsister, while it isn't Emma Thompson... Looks a lot like Emma Thompson. And it's very well cast. Yes. But you sort of realise at that point, like, oh, okay, that's where this story is going. And if you don't know what's happening and you've not seen the stage musical, you would be like, what is happening? Yeah. And you then realise the significant link to it. And then you will realise where it's going from that point. One of the bits that Matilda tells in the story is that the little girl who is their child... Um, is locked in the basement or something and the escapologist runs down the stairs and hugs her. Yes, because he's at work whilst the stepsister is looking after. Yeah, and the first time we see it, it's Matilda that's in the basement and the escapologist runs down and hugs her. And then later on, 
it's somebody else. Yes. And we find out who that actually is but and whose story that actually is. I think is. it's pretty clear that you as an, anyone as an audience will be able to figure that out when you mm. watch it. Mm-hmm. And it's really good because I remember enjoying it, the, the stage show, but also just being a little like at first, what is this and where does this come from? Why do we keep going back to these characters? It's kind of dull. Mm-hmm. And I had that little bit here when we started watching the films, like, why have we got this? And then halfway through the first escapologist sequence, I was like, oh, I remember why. Mm. And it's a slow burn, but it's a really good inclusion that also makes it stand out a little bit as it's like, it's not like a lot of the live action Disney's where it's shot for shot remake. Yeah. This offers something new to the Matilda formula that if you are only familiar with the books or with the Danny DeVito film could almost justify its existence i but also i think could upset people because they're like well that's not in my matilda yeah i enjoyed it and i think it's something going to it with an open mind because mm-hmm. the payoff is really good yeah we get after the p sequence or phys ed is what they call it yeah we get quiet which is so beautiful such a nice song where matilda is having her first power break basically where she gets so stressed and so angry that she just sort of white noises out everything that is happening and we get this beautiful hot air balloon that she's floating on it's in the trailer yeah and (laughs) which is the only reason i'm saying it and it's so nice and then we come shot back down to earth to throw newt at the trunchbull yes poor newt (laughs) poor little newt and Do you know what my favourite thing is? She keeps it. Yeah, she does. She keeps the news. Because we see at the end of the film, Lavender can go and get it back. Yeah. <laughs> why did she keep... Why would you keep it? I, I don't know. I do think The Trunchbull whole... draws the line at animal cruelty, yeah, apparently. Yeah, which is good. The whole sequence with the Trunchbull kind of being deposed is brilliant. Mm-hmm. And the way they go about it... Uh, I don't want to go too spoilers, but it's very clever. Yes. It's actually quite scary as well, putting yourself in the eyes of the children. And it's totally different from the way that it's done in the stage show yes. because, again, when you have a film, you can do certain things that you, you can't do live on stage. And I think it works really well. And we're not going to go too in detail with it, but I think it's a really powerful moment. Mm-hmm. I think Emma Thompson looks completely frazzled. The children all look terrified of what's going on. And Matilda just looks fantastic mm. my favorite line for that scene is i hate pigtails because yeah. <laughs> it's great you'll see what i mean when you watch it it's in terms funny. of the cast obviously we talked about stephen graham uh andrea riseborough and emma thompson and lashana lynch mm. the absolute star of this is alicia weir who plays matilda mm-hmm. she is absolutely incredible she yeah. carries this with ease there is charm to her performance because she's not always this typical like innocent girl. Yeah. You know, you know, your Hermione Granger type character. Mm-hmm. There is a childhood naivety to her as well. Yeah. And, and it, Matilda's whole thing is her justice system. Yes. And how she has the repeated line, that's not right, over and over again. That's not right. Yeah, and it's in the songs, but then she also says it a bunch of times to the Trunchbull and just her willingness to say no to things that she feels aren't right is such a, first of all, important trait I think kids should be learning nowadays is like 
that you have the ability to say no to situations yes. that make you uncomfortable. Absolutely. And also that she just she knows what it's like to be little and to be picked on. And so she doesn't stand for it. Yeah. But there's also just such glee with her performances as well. Like the when she's telling the story of the acrobat and the escapologist. It's such a wonder to watch. Mm-hmm. She has an incredibly bright future as a performer, should she want to. Yeah. You know, I, 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 has she played Matilda previously, you know, on, on the stage? Or was it just like a casting call and she was one of those who won the role? Because looking at her IMDb, she's been performing in things since she was nine years old Mm -hmm. she has a credit for something in 2018 uh don't leave home she was in a series called darklands in 2019 and she's also going to be in more stuff so there's something called wicked little letters that's in post-production yeah well so previously uh in theater She's been in a couple of different variety shows, but then she was also in Annie as Molly, cool. which is very cute. And then in The Wizard of Oz as a Munchkin, and then in Oliver at the National Concert Hall. So she has previously done theatre and clearly is just setting up to be a phenomenal performer going forward. Yeah, she really does have an absolutely bright future. She She delivers a breakout performance in this. And considering this, you know how stellar other performances are in this film, you know from everyone, mm-hmm. she doesn't get outshined. You know, and you do forget that you're looking at like a ten or eleven year old girl performing this at times. Yeah, because you told me as well, like Matilda's canon age is supposed to be five. Yeah. So <laughs> when I opened the page for the stage musical it says matilda is a precocious five-year-old girl blah 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 and i was like is she but then thinking about it she's in year one yeah i assume but i guess in this version she's a little older but also she doesn't necessarily look like a secondary age you know like she actually is she actually comes across looking a little bit younger Mm -hmm. and there's brilliant vulnerability at times as well as like just this really adult maturity to her yeah she's wonderful in this this performance and you know she is stepping into huge shoes with Mm -hmm. this one because everyone remembers the mara wilson version so fondly yeah and obviously mara wilson is in a lot of films that are very important to a lot of people's childhood you know mrs doubtfire miracle on 34th street Mm mm-hmm so it's a huge thing to kind of step into a role that has become synonymous with her. Yeah. I just think she excels. She absolutely excels. Mm-hmm. It's not much more to say about this without giving too much away. Yeah, and we don't want to spoil too much because it's just, it's such a good film. Yeah, so obviously it launches on Netflix on Christmas Day in some places, but also on Boxing Day in some places. Mm-hmm. Absolutely check that out if you haven't already. If you're in the UK, a sing-along edition of the film is going to be going uh, from New Year's Day to uh, cinemas for a limited run. 
So if you've seen it already or if you haven't seen it, go for the sing-along edition. Why not? Yeah. In terms of critical reception, because it's very early into its run, I do think that this... I think that this won't get any Oscars or any nominations, which I think is a shame because I think Lashana Lynch absolutely could get a Best Supporting Mm -hmm. nomination for it. And I think the songs could. I don't think they'll get a Best Original Song for Still Holding My Hand. Yeah. But they certainly should be up there for the music and maybe even costume and makeup for Emma Thompson. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it'll get more than that. But in terms of critical reception... Rotten Tomatoes is always a really good indicator. Yeah. 90% of 52 reviews are positive. The average rating is about 7.8 out of 10, but it's got a fresh rating of 90%. Robbie Collin from The Telegraph wrote that Thompson's portrayal of the Tunchable as a deranged villain to remember, which I think is perfect as well. 100%. She And she definitely gets more deranged as we go through this. Yeah. And it's kind of nice yeah it's nice to see her lose her composure yeah because it just feels like we spend most of the film with her being very in control and then it just falls apart a tiny bit at a time yeah exactly so difficult question for you what is your best song no <laughs> i don't know It's very difficult. It really is. Revolting Children is amazing just to watch. Yes. As well as to listen to. I love the school song. I think it's so good and so well done. Miracle, where you have the bit with the doctor. Yeah. Like just his bit. Obsessed. It was incredible. And the thing is as well with this one is I'm thinking of the actual set pieces as well as the songs. Mm-hmm. Do you know what we haven't talked about? The choky chant. The choky chant is brilliant. So scary. Yeah. And it's the, such a good I have to admit, the choky is something that I kind of found a little underwhelming. In the stage show? No, in, in the film. All right. Because it's like in the middle of nowhere. It's meant to be behind the school. Yeah. yeah. It, it just didn't look as like... Scary. Scary. Mm. But, you know, because the idea that you you could suddenly just be thrown in in the head teacher's office, whereas here you've got to be dragged outside to it, you know? But... Yeah. Later on, it becomes terrifying. Mm-hmm. I love The Hammer and The Smell of Rebellion are such good songs. I don't know. I, I think for me, the sequence that that moved me the most is When I Grow Up. And I'm going to put that as my best song because whilst all the others are really fun, like Bruce is so much fun. The Smell of Rebellion is great. And Revolting Children, like I say, is one of my most favourite musical theatre songs, but I knew I was going to enjoy it. Yeah. When I grow up, I have to be in the right mood for it. And sometimes the song just doesn't hit. Mm-hmm. It did hit. The school song, you're right, is an absolute jam. And Naughty is brilliant. Miracle is brilliant. But I'm going to say, just in terms of thinking about the whole sequence... Mm-hmm. When I Grow Up yeah, is my best, best song and best, like, song sequence. But, I mean, it's it's by a slight margin. It's so difficult with this one. I can't pick. I just can't. I can tell you what my skip song is. Which is skip song? I'm Here. Which 
in oh, the yeah. context of the film and the show is so necessary and means a lot, but it's not one I would listen to. On I think soundtrack. for similar reasons, like we were talking about with Christmas Carol last week with the Muppets, there are certain songs I love, however, sometimes just not the vibe. Mm-hmm. And that one I'd say for me is absolutely my skip song too. Yeah. I think we're both going to be in agreement as to who our MVP is. Alicia Weir. Yeah, absolutely. And that, again, is very difficult because all the child performers are incredible. Emma Thompson is incredible. But... Yeah, I have to give a big old shout out to Misha Garbett, who is Hortensia. That kid is viral. In (laughs) fairness, I would say she's my second best child performer role. Yeah. You know, like, she's just phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Like... Just her charm. I, I spent like 20 minutes before we started recording this trying to figure out whether her arm was actually in a cast yeah. or if they just put it on as a character thing. I think it's just a character thing. Correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, I couldn't find, find anything yeah. to say that it was real. They also have, she has this really blunt looking bob and her red beret and just all the buttons that are on her blazer and everything. I don't know how the Trunchbull is letting her get away with no. this. Other than that, I think the Trunchbull broke her arm and is kind of like, ooh, <laughs> shouldn't have done that. I don't think the Trunchbull would care if she broke her arm. No, because she's the only kid that has any kind of lasting damage done to her. Yeah. I, I think Well, they're saying that Nigel gets his ears stretched. Yeah. Oh, that was brilliant when that happens as well, yes. isn't it? I have learnt over the years, Miss Honey, that little boys' ears do not pull off, they stretch. <laughs> Love it. It's, it does have that very roll doll, like, whimsical stuff, doesn't it, as well? Mm-hmm. I th- Yeah, I think Hortensia's brilliant. Like, her whole demeanour and her energy, like, she's just brilliant. And yeah. that revolting children dance will be viral forever and mm-hmm. will be iconic forever, I think. You know, in ten years' time... People will be doing that dance again and whatever t- replaces TikTok and she'll crop up like the girls from the holiday crop up. Oh, yeah, you know? which is hilarious. If you are interested in hearing a very thorough adaptation study, I guess, of Matilda versus the Danny DeVito movie of Matilda, you should go to YouTube and you should watch Dom Noble's video about it because not only does he talk a lot about the differences between the book and the movie with the original version. I'm assuming he's bringing out one on this version yeah. too. Um, he also talks a lot about Roald Dahl as a person and uh, a lot of the stuff surrounding him. Yes. Which we can't really get into because we've talked for a really long time about Matilda. <laughs> Who would you want to play? The Trunchbull. Yeah, absolutely the Trunchbull. <laughs> like- yeah. And, and the great thing is we both can. Mm. <laughs> I'll be on the stage and you'll be on the screen. The Trunchbull is just, especially this version where they slowly get more and more unhinged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, she's absolutely brilliant. Although I would quite like to just be the doctor for that one bit in Miracle. Yeah, and if it was the stage version, I'd want to be Mrs. Wormwood. Yeah. Because I love her, <laughs> but not in this version. What's your star rating for this one? I think this has to be the same as I gave the stage show. So four and a half. Four and a half. I miss the songs that they cut, but I like what they've done with this. I like how it is. It's kind of just like exactly what an adaptation of a musical should be on film. I've given it five stars. I thought you would. Just because I loved it. I was so engrossed in it and, you know, perhaps not knowing the stage source as well is in its 
like favor favor yeah. yeah because i'm not sad by certain songs you know i i don't think like unlike other things like we, we've talked about with the muppets christmas carol last week you've always noticed there's a visible kind of like something should be here mm-hmm. it's the only one that i felt like i noticed was pathetic yeah and so we we bring 2022 to a to a close We've bookended the year with with two five star shows. I know. You know, starting with Tick Tick Boom, five stars. Mm-hmm. Ending with Matilda, five stars. And later on this week, you'll be able to tune in to our year in review, where we will talk about our top ten musicals with the five on the fringe. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to pick a top ten this year. Yes, so we've seen some really, really good stuff. Yeah, compared to last year where we didn't see as much live theatre, we have to recognise live theatre is very much back in play for us. And so, it's so nice that it is. So yes, uh, you can tune in later this week as we count down to 2023 with our top 10. And we have some great uh, input as well from listeners out there. So thank you for that. And I'm really excited to, to talk about our mutual favourite shows of the year. Mm-hmm. We're going to be starting 2023 with Ride the Cyclone, which we watched back in October and I'm excited to finally talk about with you. Yeah, me too. As always, you can get involved in the conversation over on Twitter and Instagram at It's a Musical Pod. Have we convinced you to watch Matilda? Uh, what do you think if you're only watching it for the first time? Now it's on Netflix. Let us know your thoughts as always. You can subscribe to us on a multitude of good podcasting platforms. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, on the Amazon Music app under the podcast section of the library. You can find us on Stitcher, Good Pods, and our OG hosts, Podbean. And if you haven't already, you can still hit that one New Year's resolution that you've not yet done. You can give us a five-star review and you can leave us a positive comment and you can share us with a friend so you can tick off that New Year's resolution that you're going to make someone else's day. Nice and done. Easy. Thank you to all of you for listening to us in 2022. Yeah. It means the world to me. I'm sure it does to you Mm -hmm. as well. You know, we wouldn't still be doing this if not for you. So thank you to listeners old and new if you've been with us since day one if you've only found us during 2022 thank you so much and i hope you have a wonderful new year's and that 2023 is is your year but until 2023 we will see you same bat place same bat channel have a magical musical new year